0: underwritten by golden rule insurance company they offer flexible budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals get more cool facts about united healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com
1: it's the drink talking with the thinking drinkers ben mcfarland and tom sandon and mistress of wine sam caporn All the booze, news and views. From Absinthe to Zinfandel.
2: Just imbibers. Welcome everybody to It's The Drink Talking, a podcast where we will solve your drinking problems. And not the big problem where you have an over-reliance on the quantity of alcohol, But the quality of alcohol, because we are here to improve your liquid lives. And I am joined, as ever, by, to my left, Mr. Tom Sandham. Hello. Hello, Ben. Hello, Tom.
0: Hi. I haven't seen you for five minutes. (laughs) Yep.
2: And uh, who are you? What's going on? Who
0: am I? I'm a man um, with a plan. You're, you're a spirits guy. I'm the spirits guy, I'm uh, your spiritual guru nice. uh, in this quest, and uh, I'm I'm a drinker of spirits, and I've been drinking around London town over the last few days, as well as looking after my two children.
2: And um, I'm getting hock under the collar, <laughs> my temperature is rising, <laughs> and I may even have a semi-on, because <laughs> <laughs> yes, because we are also joined by Sam Caporn, the wine Mistress.
1: Or the mistress of wine. Oh, mistress uh, of whatever. Same thing. So yeah, I'm Sam. I'm the wine part of the podcast. My husband will testify to the fact I'm very good at whining, and particularly at the moment. So um, mm. I'm here to help you with your Venus Education. Mm -hmm. Excellent.
2: And you've got a plane to catch later, so we can't dilly-dally. Hola, hola. (laughs) You're not in France. (laughs) No. Uh, And you're going with a group of people. We've seen some pictures
0: of the people you're with. Do you want to talk about any of those? I'd like to. Nope. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Right, let's
2: move on. So, we always kick off this podcast with a feature we uh, have christened Spit or Swallow. (laughs) <laughs> That's good. Uh, it's not as good as it sounds. And <laughs> the spitting uh, means something that we don't like in the drinks world, and the swallow is something we do like in the drinks world, and lo and behold, it is me who is doing this feature this week. Yay! And my swallow is a good one. Jump okay okay. <laughs> Well, it's a beer right. made from Wee Wee. Oh, no, no. get yes. out of here. No, it's someone's true. just done a wee in a glass. Well, no, it's more complicated than that. Okay. In Denmark, human wee? Yes, human wee. Yeah, yeah. you hesitated yeah. there as though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, just, <laughs> the crux of the story was not clear to <laughs> Can you. Can I be clear? Is this a spit or a swallow? <laughs> this is a swallow. I like right, it. Okay. Right. I like it. But ben it, likes drinking me. wee. Yeah. There is a name well, for it. Well, apparently, <laughs> um, it is good for you drinking wee. There is mm. the thing called urotherapy. People claim that our health benefits from drinking your own wee. A boxer called Juan Marquez, who is a pretty good boxer, and what he would do, he would get adrenalised, and then after a fight, he would have a wee, and then he would drink it. Isn't it better known as a well,
1: sexual perversion?
2: Yes, I would have thought so. And didn't Madonna used to do it as well? I, 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 well, think... I know she used to wee on her feet to uh, stop her getting <laughs> <after> <laughs> the athlete's foot. Okay. Oh, well, there's that, yeah. oh, wee. And of course, you can
1: wee on, on yourself or got someone else pee on you when you've had a jellyfish sting. Yes. yes. Which I was stung twice in Costa Rica terrifying because you never know if it's actually going to be a poisonous one mm, or not mm. and uh, i think i just use an ice cube
2: but did you ask it. anyone to wee on you
1: well my husband didn't offer and i really didn't fancy anyone else peeing on my arm or my lip
2: <laughs> oh, on your lip okay that which brings us back different. to wee beer <laughs> yes <laughs> so this is happening in denmark hmm. in copenhagen hot guys hot guys and girls and uh, <laughs> home of hugo. Oh, yes.
1: We do. We have it at my son's school. It's uh, kind of been embraced as a um, thing thing, to chill out the children.
2: It involves snuggling up, putting a candle on, and eating cake. And eating cake and drinking soup. cinnamon buns? Is that part of it? I think is that Swedish
1: cinnamon buns
2: don't know, I love buns. They've got a great lifestyle.
1: So they do that and make wee right. beer.
2: So what is happening is, in 2015, at a music festival, the Roskilde Festival, which is near Copenhagen, they got 54,000 litres of urine. They collected it from the festival goers. And then they took this urine and they sprinkled it all over fields of malted no. barley and used it as fertiliser. Mm. Mm. It's so, very green. It's very green. Yeah, it's though. called beer cycling, apparently. Oh. It doesn't really work, does it? Sorry. Beer cycling. Oh, beer no. cycling. It's probably full of nutrients. And
1: minerals. And God knows what if it's been in a festival.
2: Well, this is what I was thinking. Like There it's are some rich. drugs. <laughs> don't do drugs. Drugs are oh. bad. um but stay in your pee for They stay in your pee for age. But it was a year later.
1: Oh, okay, I reckon that's fine.
2: How long does it stay mm. in... Mm. Surely if you took a urine test and you had traces of cocaine, MDMA... Other drugs are available, and you put it in a sort of uh, test tube, Mm. it would stay in it.
3: Mm. We've been down
2: this road before because I
0: I remember deja vu talking about LSD. I'm sure that stays in your bloodstream for a long time. Deja vu all all over again.
1: (laughs) So basically, you don't get trippy beer. Well, no. Oh, well, no. tell us about this
0: beer then, ben. So, anyway, so it what is. Is it so is, is, is is, trippy beer?
2: Well, it's it's a brewery called the Nurebarer Uh I've actually been there. It's a cracking Copenhagen brew pub. And it was started by this guy. who was at Carlsberg, who really knew his stuff. So, he took sort of Carlsberg sort of scientific, technological know how, and then he sort of paired up with this kind sort of crafty approach to beer. And they do loads of great beers. And they've taken 11 tonnes of malting barley and they're making 60,000 bottles of this beer, which they rather cleverly have called Pilsner beer. They oh. have oh. not. Right? Is it yeah. a on Pilsner? Yeah. Absolutely. That's Love a better
0: it. one than beer cycling, isn't it? That's,
1: it is. So it's kind of a like a lager-y type yeah. of beer. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: I have not had the pleasure it, of drinking it. Um, it hasn't been discharged. It was, also, yeah. hasn't yeah. been discharged. <laughs>
1: it kind of begs the question, why did they think well, to irrigate just, with pee rather than well, the commonly used water? Well,
0: well that indeed, water could be used to save yeah. lives.
2: Well, but what about poo-poo? Yeah, number twos. Yeah. Could they take it a step further? Well... If I've been for a number don't two don't a festival. And <laughs> I've done a number two in a field as well. <laughs> yeah. So perhaps
0: we are in some <laughs> yeah. way in helping.
1: But it's like in um, biodynamic viticulture, they use cow poo and they bury it in horns and they yeah. put it. You yeah, know. yeah. So yeah. you know, and and obviously, um, I live in the country. And we had Tractor Tuesday this week where I just got stuck behind so many tractors. You know, just moving that, manure not, from different oh, sites. the fields.
2: amazing. It's not, it's not called Tractor Tuesday.
1: No, my son, like, coined it that just because oh, we were so good. late to school because we oh, got stuck behind what, so many sodding tractors. Um, what did tractors. they
2: have? Did they have, like,
1: New
0: Holland's and John Deere's? And...
1: Well, I'll tell you, I don't know, but I'll tell you what did happen. You don't know? I nearly got a pile of shit on the front of my car because this guy in front um, had to brake really fast. And then, so I had to brake really fast. And his whole back bit was full of manure and it just missed the run of my car and then this load went splat steaming turd on the road in front of me and I thought that was really lucky oh, so that the
0: farmer's the the back bit I let yeah. out a load <laughs> of shit country perils it's, this is um, the country for you folks but my point
1: <laughs> being that you get you know manure poo on mm. various sorts, is used in mm. agricultural mm. Mm. and viticultural areas around the world. Never heard about urine no. being used. Well, I'm mean, assuming
0: it is a bit of a, a novelty. Yeah, it's well, a, it's a, is it ecological?
2: It's is sustainable. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be clear... Oh, yeah. You, well, typically you <laughs> have to drink <laughs> lots of water.
1: Yeah. To be clear, Ben, this is your swallow, but you haven't tried it.
2: Mm. Mm. No, but I just like the idea of it. Okay. Mm. And also, actually... You can't you can't taste suspect, the urine in the beer. There's no way the rainwater yeah. that falls on the barley fields yeah, is yeah. not going to be evident oh, within really, the beer. Really, Ben? Oh, yes. Well, then why do they talk I about the water be, they um... use in brewing? Because that's not the water that influences the flavour. The water oh, influences the flavour. has its
0: role, though, Ben, doesn't it? Well, no.
2: What they should have done, which is better, because the way they germinate the barley is they soak it in water in warm water and trick it into thinking it's spring. What They're I should cute. have done is use the wee <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. that is warm.
1: I won't be first in line to try the wee beer, I've got no. to say. Well, I'm not, I'm not, it's a nice story, though, and, it's and a great, well, well done there. Yeah, Very but, original, um, but, great I mean, story, love it.
0: And some of the beers I've tasted in my life do actually taste like piss, <laughs> yeah. so yep. it, why not? Why not put a piss beer out there and, and compete with some of those mainstream lagers that absolutely don't taste that nice anyway
2: so (laughs) taking one on our own game yeah
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) so that's my
2: swallow i like that okay Um, what's next you're in charge (laughs) yeah my spit uh starts out sounding like a swallow Mm. because i've noticed that all the supermarkets have up their game when it comes to craft beer. I was in a Marks and Sparks yesterday, get me. Wow. <laughs> um no. and, yeah, and they've got an amazing uh, range of craft beer and they sort of have their own label stuff which is clear where they brew their beers. They do some really good stuff with Adnams and they've got a really, really good range. And then you go into Waitrose have done the same. They've added 27 new craft beers to its range. Asda has added 100 new craft beers wow. and uh, Tesco, I've not been to Tesco because <laughs> I wouldn't, <laughs> has upped its game massively as well. Aldi just won an award at, at yes, one they of the did. industry things for the best drinks selection. Yep. So
0: they've got they're some. They're jolly good. They're so very, they very are, good so, well. And this is not so, just so me so lifting supermarkets. No, it doesn't, but it sounds like it does like sound everyone like across the board. It sounds like at the moment this, this, this is, is in your mouth. Yeah. Are you going to no. spit it or well, are you going to Well, the you reason swallow? I'm going
2: to spit it is because when I was Why? in Marks and Spencer's yesterday, I was admiring the wall of great beer. And then this lady was Fine, stood there. Well, this is it. My, she was on the count. phone. They are allowed to. Yeah. Mm. She was on the phone to what I presume is her husband. She didn't know where to start. She was saying, Oh, this one's called this, this one's called that and you could hear him going, Oh, I don't know And the point is that they just put the beers Mm. out there and there's no wall of
1: wine it's a wall of beer there's no description there's no pointers
2: uh, ladder of flavour or anything about styles there's no informative pamphlets Mm. that people can Mm. look at with all the smartphone technology these days why can't you have Mm. little links where you can zap on and you could even get a video Mm. say Mm -hmm. featuring two or maybe three (laughs) extremely dynamic drinks writers and experts who can
0: tell people about what
1: that's a good idea
0: because it's the same same with spirits. I went into um, M&S and they had a huge selection of gins, but they were just bottles. I mean, it doesn't give that much information on the label, so you no. don't really know why you're making And they're not that, that, that cheap. I mean, no. they,
2: neither should they be, because mm. they're, they're very well-made products. But if someone who's not really into beer and is, but is trying to get more adventurous and picks it out the wrong, picks up a double IPA and doesn't mm. know what it is, it gets it home blows their taste buds mm. away they're not going to come back to it
1: I think it's a real perennial problem I think um, it's been certainly like that in wine forever because you just get a row of bottles they're arranged according to you know white, pink, red mm. and then they're arranged um, normally according to country and then within that, it's just like, we're kind of left to your own devices. And then occasionally, people being really radical, but you know, rearrangement by style, and they get a bit of press. It's like, whoa, mm. we're trying mm. to help the consumers, we're going to do light and fresh, and then we're going to do this, we're going to do that. No, there needs to be more shelf barkers. and exactly with apps and stuff nowadays. Yeah, there's no real excuse for no one being a little bit dynamic and trying to educate people in store at the point of purchase because that's the most important I mean, place.
0: When it comes to wine, I am mostly interested in price, so I don't are feel. You? Yeah, I don't feel there are often enough. Devices to tell me that it's under five pounds and really I need (laughs) I need over. Drinking
1: drinkers, Uh, drink less drink better.
0: But I do agree, in terms of the supermarket so I wonder if it's just a bit of a hangover from this time where I would go to the supermarket to buy in bulk and buy cheap. And really this revolution in drinking habits means that now there's more stuff arriving on shelves and they just haven't got around to doing it yet well, they need the, someone to go yeah, in there the and say all the press releases we've
2: been getting from these supermarkets, they've all had the guys that buy these beers, going, about well, their we're beers. very proud, we've expanded our, our range. range and, and, and it's, it's, it's very easy just yeah. buying more beer yeah. and putting yeah. it on but the, you've the shelves. You've got to
1: educate people about it and um, help them and to understand. No,
2: absolutely. <clears throat> if my um, husband
1: sent me to supermarket and said, can you pick me five interesting beers? when mm. I it. I'd pick out the brands I'd heard of. Yeah. And that's a bit uncool, really. And
2: there's beer and food recommendations. Mm. They could just have yeah. them there. Yeah. yeah. And plonk the nice beers next to the food that it goes with. I mean, with spirits you could pair it up with the
0: ingredients for cocktails and you could be really creative about the drink soul.
1: There's definitely an opportunity there and for us And I
2: just yeah. think, well, that's not the sole reason I brought it up, oh. but it is a big reason. Mm. <laughs> we are available to <laughs> so, uh, visit yeah, our website uh, for more. Extortionate information. consultancy. <laughs> Great. So there we are. That's my spear swallow. I swallowed some wee-wee and I spat out some lazy supermarkets. And after a quick word from our commercial partners, we will be doing a lovely tasting with Tom Sandham. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.
0: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com
1: awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sam Caporn, the mistress of wine, and you're listening to It's the Drink Talking.
0: Yeah. Hello. Welcome back, listeners. What we'll be tasting, you'll be learning about, and you can go out and buy afterwards. And today, it's American whiskey, folks. yee Is this Yeehaw. the stuff that's vanilla
1: that I quite like? Yes. Yum. As a non-whiskey person... Yes. So, is bourbon a subcategory of American whiskey? Well, Sam. So. Oh, and if you, so, what are the others, and what makes it that? If you
0: stop butting in... Sorry. This is all... I'll be able to tell <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. What is what is you. First of all, i was going to ask you what the expo is, because I don't it's know what that is. It's a wine
1: is. fair in Bordeaux every year about June. I've never gone.
0: Uh, okay, Guillaume Degli. Uh, mm. he, a Some French, some, some French food. Mm. Mm. And he said that American whiskey volumes are going to increase from 1.91 million, nine litre cases, to 2.41 million by 2020. Wow, he sounds like the kind
2: of guy I want to go for a drink and with.
0: Certainly, stats do back up the current... Surge in this, and apparently millennials are turning their back on Sauvignon Blanc spritzers for cool craft spirits, which American whiskey is. I one.
1: think anyone should turn their back on Sauvignon Blanc spritzers. Really? Just I drink a Sauvignon a
0: spritzer.
1: Really? I would never drink a spritzer. Don't oh, see the point. I'd rather a, a lemonade. Day. Well,
0: okay. Well, there you go. You've heard it here, folks. Stop <laughs> drinking spritzers. It's a, well, that could be our new campaign. Don't drink that shit. Um, so, why is it so successful? Because it is sweeter. Sam, Mm, yes. Now what you've alluded to there is American whiskey is a very wide category but we're going to be specifically drinking bourbon and bourbon is a very specific category within that which is bound by certain rules and Mm. regulations. We can consider bourbon America's national spirit, it's regulated and when they make it they have to use 51% corn in the mash bill and the mash bill uh, is all the grains that goes into the water and provides us with the sugars um, and a lot of the flavour. Now corn is very sweet so by having 51% of corn in this mash bill at the start of the process we've got lots of residual sugars and that's what gives it the start of its sweetness
1: and does it give it more texture
0: it does, it gives it a bit of texture but they also use um, barley which is uh, very good for the enzymes and they use rye and these are sort of the flavouring and they can add a bit of texture as well but what we're really talking about there is the sweetness versus uh, some of the spicy notes and then it's distilled and it's put into new American oak barrels and Mm. these also provide us with sweetness.
1: And the spicy Notes, and maybe. some spicy
0: notes, but vanillins, which are imparting vanilla into the spirit. Now, these bourbon barrels are used in all spirits industries. They're used in the Scotch whiskey industry and in the rum industry as well. They're sold on after the Americans have used them. Um, but because they're new... They have a lot of that flavour mm. in them, so I the, love that, that is what mm. really makes American whiskey and bourbon, in particular, so popular. And a lot of people say they don't like whiskey. So for anyone who's listening, who's never really approached the whiskey category, this say, is a good start.
1: That is me. Before doing this podcast and learning more from you chaps, I would categorically say I do not like whiskey, right. but I've now learnt <laughs> that I like bourbon.
0: Okay, well that's we that's uh, that was the be...
1: Diplomatico rum, which is for the same reason. That, that's, a, that's a rum, that's a, that's but it's got rum. but that's also got qu- lots of vanilla in from the oak barrels, isn't it? It does. So, it,
0: they use ex bourbon barrels. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's what what will add some of that. No, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> great. Whoa, that was good, wasn't it? <laughs> so I'm going to pour some of this bourbon, which uh, looks suspiciously
1: uh, this is... like something you might put over Ben's Danish beer. Now that's yeah. the one
0: you're going to actually taste second, folks. So <clears throat> oh, okay. uh, oh. I'm going to pour them both at the same time. The first one we're going to have is some. Buffalo Trace. Is that for me? It is for you, yeah. Is that not enough? (laughs) It's been
1: poured literally half of them before. That's 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 too too much.
0: So please don't wipe on my leg. So <laughs> listeners, she's touching my leg. That's sexual harassment. So, <laughs> well, it was quite a nice though. So we've got two. And what I've done today is try to pick two introductory bourbons for people. Now, as we do these podcasts over time, uh, we might have some more challenging American whiskies to sample and we'll obviously get onto single malt scotch and we'll branch out to Japanese whiskies. But today these are two very sort of Great introductory bourbons. Buffalo Trace uh, is made up one of the oldest continuously working stills in America. They were allowed to continue distillation during Prohibition. So they set up in the 19th century. And Why? Then, well, because they were arguing that they were making alcohol as medicine. Um, oh. So there you go. If you could prove you were making it for medicinal reasons, you're allowed to continue making alcohol. This is not... Um uh, not medicine. is not medicine. Yeah. Um, but it's made there. It's actually the Buffalo Trace bourbon uh, was launched in 1999, but the distillery is is epic. They've won lots of awards. Uh, they make the Van Winkle whiskeys there, Buffalo Trace antique collection, Weller bourbons, lots of lovely stuff. And it takes its name after the uh, buffaloes or the the bison who would cross over the Kentucky River where the distillery is based, and the buffaloes or the bison would cross over there. The only difference between a buffalo
2: and a bison, mm-hmm. Ben, is... Here
1: comes a joke.
2: <laughs> you can't wash your hands in a buffalo. <laughs> thank you, Ben. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. Ben,
1: <laughs> can I <sorry>, ask? <clears throat> I just need to want to go back to something that you were saying before. You can. Why didn't everyone say that they were producing booze... For medicinal reasons,
0: because there's only so many reasons that it would have yeah, been served up were, as medicine. The I think
2: would have gone okay. You, 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 so you guys, do the medicine.
0: Yeah. yeah, everyone was drinking, and the yeah. government wanted decent booze. And that while the people were making it in their bathtubs, that stuff was deadly. Oof. In fact, there's a story we've discovered recently where the American government deliberately sanctioned. Poisonous booze to to put people <gasps> put off. Oh my Which God. is a horrible, horrible story. Prohibition was a bad idea all round. <laughs> idiots. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, we've got this bourbon now. It's been in a barrel for a, somewhere around between seven and eight years. Nice um, colour. Does that mean um, part so from the colour as well? All of the colour. Yeah. Yes. And when it comes off the stills, it's completely transparent. All whiskey, no all dark way. spirits. It's all the interaction with the wood and sometimes a little bit of caramel to give a consistency, not for yeah. the flavour, to the colour. But all the colour that you get from dark spirits comes from its interaction. With wood, Ooh, and if you smell this,
1: it, um,
0: it does smell nice, doesn't That's it? I get a bit of vanilla, caramel on there, but lots vanilla. of vanilla. I get a slight uh, orange. Citrusy note to it as well, and some people get mint. Now, if you try these whiskies in a line next to lots of different varieties, you might start to pick up things like mint. they will work very well in a mint julep.
1: Well, that actually was nice my next cocktail. question, not specifically about a mint julep, hmm. but again, as a total um, sub novice on uh, bourbon and whiskey, how would one drink this? Um, would you have it over ice? Do you put what is, what's the deal with putting water in Well um, um, Is it too uh, good for a cocktail? Less
2: of a reluctance to use bourbon in, in mixed drinks and cocktails it's much more versatile than I would say single malt whiskey yeah. scotch whiskey and it doesn't seem to be quite the sort of historical hang ups um, mm. with it It's seen as a bit more approachable by the sort of cocktail crowd yeah. Mm. I um, think that
0: as well because it's it's, oh, it's been yummy. born in a
2: region that has very had a very strong cocktail
0: heritage and obviously America has been very passionate about mixed drinks from the uh, sort of 18th century really. So uh, it's not really unusual to see things mixed when it comes to something like scotch. We see a lot of people sneering at the idea that you would mix it. When in fact, single malt whisky yeah, can be done these, can be used very nicely in cocktails. So yeah. that's the first one and, and what, that's, got quite, that's got quite
1: has got quite a high
0: corn content in there. So those are the five flavouring grains, the rye and the barley that might have been used in that won't be quite so overpowering. So I think that's a brilliant buffalo trace. If you're first-time a whiskey drinker, that is a great introduction into Mm. this bit. Now, we're going to move in a slightly different direction with the flavours but staying on board with something that's very good for an introduction and we're doing Wild Turkey. And this is the Wild Turkey 81 proof, which is slightly lower in alcohol by volume than the Wild Turkey 101. Now, uh, Wild Turkey is uh, another great historic distillery in America. They did actually close in 1919. They reopened after Prohibition. And it was originally called the Rippy Distillery, but um, when they reopened, they renamed as Wild Turkey after a turkey shoot. And this has a turkey on the front, uh, which is nice, a nice-looking turkey. It's not quite as impressive as a buffalo. Is
2: it a bird? Yes, it's a plane. <laughs> no, it's a bird. It's I just bird. told you,
0: it's a bird, and it's a turkey. In two thousand, this is an interesting sideline story for Wild Turkey. They had a, a warehouse fire, and thousands of liters of their maturing whiskey were spilled into the Kentucky River, and thousands of fish died, which is very oh, sad. That's awful. But
1: they tasted. Nice well, though. they
0: probably did, but the scale of the disaster <laughs> was massive. Oh. Uh, well, Turkey was not let off the hook. They had to pay the Kentucky Department of Fish $255,000. God, and, that's a lot. God. I mean, wrong place, wrong time. And an extra $1,000 just for the halibuts. <sighs> <laughs> oh, don't laugh at your own jokes, folks. But that is funny. Uh, we're drinking the eighty-one proof here, uh, which is forty-point-five percent ABV. Give this a taste, give it a smell, and you will notice that there's something a bit more spicy about this one, and that's because they've got more rye in there. So when we talk about how that grain affects the flavour, this one is slightly spicier. And yes, the wood, Sam, as you pointed out, does give it a bit of spice, but that rye is making this a little more prickly. This, a I tell you hotter. what,
2: this tastes if you're comparing the wood in both of them this tastes like a sort of dusty school desk
0: yeah okay sandalwood we talk mm. about don't we that's yes. very good ben. <laughs> thank you <laughs> i didn't lick
2: my desk very that's often cool. at school my nose was down close to it a lot and okay. it would have smelt. yeah it smelt like this taste yeah easy. do you like we, it more or less than the other one i quite yes. I, I like it yes i don't like it as much as the buffalo traces no. i think it's I quite like the sweetness of the bourbon. Mm. I quite like this feeling of, mm. you get that, it feels very fresh wood yeah. in the buffalo Trace, Whereas the wild turkey, probably actually a harder drink.
1: Mm, definitely. And it's a bit
2: more manly, isn't well, it?
1: I really like buffalo Trace, although it's quenching because you get all this lovely vanilla. Mm. But you got more on the nose than you get on the palate. Yeah. So you, and it's almost a bit of a shock because actually you get that hit of alcohol and you get mm. and It's not, you know, you're almost expecting this kind of quite, you know, mm. Almost like a sweet vanillary drink, and then forget that actually it's, you know.
0: So much of that spice and heat that you're talking about is coming from the grain, which is what is quite fascinating about it. Bourbon as just a, a very small part of a wider whiskey industry, has so many variables at the very entry level to it. So it's quite a nice. Well, I think way the, to the wild through. turkey,
2: I reckon, would make a nice sort of Manhattan mm. or uh, an old fashioned, it's got. Some a bit more of, bite to it's it. has got a bit more bite to it, mm. whereas the Buffalo Tracer you can imagine, sinking mint juleps at the yeah. Kentucky Derby, or it's over near. ice. Yes. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. At we're... winter, yeah. by a roaring yeah. fire. Yes. Someone massaging wondering, your toes. Wondering where it all went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Doing this podcast, Ben, <laughs> talking about <laughs> drinking piss. I think that was the start
0: of it. So there we go, there are our bourbons. And as I say, Very we will we will work through other different whiskey types. But, but you if you haven't you're actually new.
2: answered Sam's What was Sam's question. Christian, is bourbon a subcategory of American whiskey? I did. I you said it.
0: Yeah, I said that hey. at the beginning. I mean, listeners, you? hopefully you're having more joy listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, I
2: don't, I don't remember you saying that. I or did, did I just drift did. off?
0: Yeah, <laughs> you did, Ben. Thanks,
2: man. Anyway, get a move on. We've got to go on to the next. I've uh, finished. Yeah, you <laughs> right. done. You're, All right, so you're the anchor. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> right, Sam, tell us about. A legend of liquor. Who are you talking about this week?
1: Okay, so this week I am talking about a gentleman I think you guys know. Well, you don't know him well at all, but you, uh, I think you've um, written about him before. And that is Nobel Prize winner Sir Winston Churchill.
0: Ah, Ooh. yes. We so um, well. do feel of, of free course.
1: to pop mm. in little um, snippets.
0: Well, we're here to learn from you, so you can tell us new (laughs) stuff that we can use in our shows. Okay, well, I'll I'll
1: say my bits and um, you can just agree then.
0: Okay, go on. Sounds good.
1: So basically, uh, Churchill had a legendary relationship with alcohol, he drank a lot of booze. Was he an alcoholic? Wasn't he an alcoholic? Not really sure. He did admit that he did depend on alcohol to a degree, but he basically was a absolutely massive boozer. And um, Eleanor Roosevelt when hosting him during World War II, apparently was amazed, quote unquote, that anyone could smoke so much and drink so much and keep perfectly well. And apparently her husband, the president, had to sleep for 10 hours a night for three nights after a visit to recover from the copious amount of drinking that they would do.
2: Crikey. Yes. Not only did he drink quite large quantities, but he was a kind of alcohol... Loving omnivore. He yeah. drank
1: like steadily and consistently.
2: He was not monogamous he, in his drinking. He drank lots of different things. Yeah. He had a thirst for, for everything. Mm. For everything. So I think
1: he started the day with the whiskey.
2: It was called the Papa Cocktail, wasn't it? Yeah. Could, yeah. But he topped out with water. But yeah.
1: then he topped up with water throughout the day. And um, apparently, according to his private secretary, Jock Colville, it was actually more like a mouthwash. Like it was really weak. It's yeah. almost as like he needed it as a crutch to go through mm. the day. And his reputation as a heavy drinker started. Started in 1899, when he used to be a sort of journalist correspondent, and he went off to the Boer War. And for the three-week journey over, do you know how much booze he took with him? Go on. Okay, so I didn't think it was that unreasonable. <laughs> <laughs> he took um, he took 36 bottles of wine, 18 bottles of scotch, and also some brandy for a three-week trip. That's quite. That is that's quite.
2: quite lot. Lot. That's excessive. But that could that have been. Some, he could have been doing some gifting. Mm. He could have
1: been doing some gifting. He wasn't no, doing gifting. I, I don't think he I was I don't think he There's
2: been a bit of revisionist
0: history on Churchill, but he definitely wasn't gifting out there. But despite oh all God, but no. he
1: so he basically got this reputation of being quite a heavy drinker. Uh, although, as um, he very famously asserted, I've taken more out of alcohol than alcohol has taken out mm. of me. So he always maintained the fact that he was totally in control. Basically, whiskey was at the beginning of the day. He'd often then, certainly when he retired, have champagne at lunch, and then maybe he'd have another bottle for dinner, and apparently liked to drink and soda in between. But,
0: and soda? Now yeah. oh, Well, let's go that's... back to Sauvignon Blanc spritzers here. Yeah. <laughs> Claret and soda? Soda's got no business being in Claret, has it? Wine expert, no. Sam? Uh, no, no. Okay. but what's
1: quite interesting is like, and champagne's quite low alcohol, so it's almost like he had this steady drip feed of booze throughout the day, mm. but actually. Nothing really like massively pokey, mm. and, and you know he does have this kind of watered down whiskey, and then he'd have champagne, which is about twelve, twelve point five percent, and then he'd have claret and soda. But his big, big, big passion was champagne. Right. And he met Odette Paul Roger in Paris at the British Embassy when it was liberated in November nineteen forty four, and they became firm friends. And she sent him a case of champagne every year to his. Um, Chartwell residence in Kent, which is delightful, if you want to look around it. It's lovely. It's it's a a National Trust property. And um, she'd send a case of champagne every year and then when he died, they put little black bands around the label for the wines being exported um, Mm. over to Britain. And then actually in the 1980s, 1984 I think, they named their prestige cuvee Sir Winston Churchill
3: after after, after Winston
1: Churchill. But interestingly because he was, um, you know, had quite a smart background and brought up quite in an aristocratic fashion where being drunk was really uncool. So apparently, despite the fact he drank all this booze, well, he never really showed it. However, the only thing I think that seems to contradict that is the famous quote. It's unclear who he made it to. He, I think he was in the House of Commons at the time and it was either to Lady Astor or Bessie Braddock. Mm you know, whatever it was, something along the lines of, Mr. Churchill, you are drunk. And he said, madam, I may be drunk, but you are ugly and tomorrow I will be sober. Yeah. Which is
3: one of the coolest it's a quotes. Guy. It's, a good it's
2: good such, a I don't cool, know, such but a I'm cool, not sure well, there, is, there seems to be a lot of suggestion that that wasn't him. And that, that is just a, just a, very, a, a, a very cool quip. Up. I think he gets attributed with quotes that, he may not have said, and she made. Um, and the other thing that makes people think he was an alcoholic or had a drink problem—he had a speech impediment. Well, I read that, which Where, made him sound like he was slurring yeah, his words. Yeah. And, um, so is that
1: true? He had a speech impediment.
2: Yes, he did. Yeah, because um, if you're
1: drinking those, you can totally see why people might think that's you slurring. Hmm. Rather, and also he's a kind of person who probably wouldn't admit to having a speech impediment. Yes. Mm. I don't know. I
0: mean, he's a great drinker, but what did he actually do? <laughs>
2: Yeah. Oh. I mean, come on, yeah. what did he achieve, he? really? <laughs> Who is he?
1: Who is he, really? Well,
2: he, I mean, if you think about it, he was, it was him and Stalin and Mussolini. No, not Mussolini. Not he Mussolini. Mussolini. He was no. on the other side. No. So it's him, Stalin, Stalin and Roosevelt. Yeah. All massive, massive. drinks. I mean, Stalin. Mm. Stalin did, be was a
0: problem child.
2: But he yes. did. Yeah. I mean, they all liked to drink. They all liked to drink. And was I think on they were the frequently side. drunk together, didn't mm. they? Yeah, Hitler. Yeah. Tea total. Tea total. Yeah, Mussolini barely drank. Mm, he, set, didn't uh, he didn't drink after yeah
0: he, after an age. He he only drank he, milk, I think.
2: Yes, and he, and he would only drink Italian wine at functions, but only to sort of boost uh, mm. the sort of image of Italian wine. And he had the Japanese, the fella. Japanese guy whose name yeah. He, yeah, he yeah, forget. yeah
0: he didn't drink either, did he? No. no. So
2: you had three boozers versus three abstainers.
1: Um, and three uh, boozers were on the right uh, side. And, and, and who won? But however, just to finish off my little Churchill Churchillian story mm. Legends of Liquor, there is a bit of question mark over whether his heavy drinking sort of led to his political decline or not right. and because Lord Moran once said something along the lines of that his boozing makes his speech more difficult to understand and fuddles what is left of his wits and yet he does not attempt to control his thirst.
2: But if it's it, towards undecum. the end of his career, he's just won the Second World War. You would be like, Do you know what? I, I have,
1: have a drink,
2: drink.
3: I I drink. and I have actually have a drink. and then
1: after he retired, apparently he upped to boozing even more. And he literally would have the whiskey, bottle of champagne every lunch, maybe a bottle of champagne every dinner. But then well, on doctor's you, orders, didn't he he swapped his um Whiskey for Cointreau.
0: Oh, yes. Marjorie. Yes. <laughs> what a, what a <laughs> it must have made a huge difference. Wowzers. Yeah. It's not water, is it? But um, champagne, was he a bit of an expert on it or was he just someone who liked it? Yeah, or? I
1: don't think he's a recognised expert. I think he absolutely loved champagne mm. and I think um, he had this known love, particularly of Paul Roger. And I shall finish off with a few um, champagne quotes okay. from Sir Winston Churchill. One. In success, you deserve it, and in defeat, you need it. Two, champagne is the wine of civilization and the oil of government. And last but not least, during the World War II, remember, gentlemen, it's not just France we're fighting for, it's champagne.
0: Yes, ledge.
1: And I shall finish on that note. So, yes, so Winston Churchill, massively heavy drinker, yes, alcoholic. I'd no. say a functional... Total legend. Probably a functional...
0: High-functioning... High either, way, either way, mm. listeners, it was a different time. It was a time of war. Yeah. And today we say drink less, mm. drink mm. better.
2: Did you know, before we finish, mm. the Danes brewed a beer in his honour and it was Carlsberg Special Brew.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm.
2: So that was first brewed for Winston Churchill.
1: Oh, and also just one a last little thing, which is quite interesting, I think is mildly reflective on his... Um, you know the alcohol's a crutch is that the king gave up booze to su- kind of support the chaps during the war and basically Winston said no way <laughs> yeah, he, he couldn't even do it for the king
2: good man but we must mention but in not a good in, man in, in some in, respects in the just name of balance <laughs> yeah, 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 he was a warmongering yeah. wanker as well yeah. <laughs>
0: Daft racist, and so on.
2: on. (laughs) That's a very, very strange view (laughs) on genetics. It's a
0: difficult one, isn't it? Because when you're talking about legends, we talked about Peter the Great the other day, who slay a number of his subjects, and was quite, you know, on one hand, quite unpleasant. On the other hand, everyone's got a drinker. Everyone's got a We've always, we've all (laughs) got those closets. People never forget it. The thing to do is to get in the closet and drink.
2: alone. Uh, There we go. Good one. So, yes, it was the drinks cabinet, the one war, and not the war cabinet. Mm. Ah, see what I've done there. So, um, well, that brings us neatly, shambolically, towards (laughs) the end of our podcast. Thank you once again to both of you. You've been amazing. Thanks, Ben. So you. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast
0: and like to learn more about drink, then you can see Ben and Tom, the Thinking Drinkers, in our live show where we'll be tasting alcohol and making you laugh. We're on tour. We're at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival throughout August and then around the UK and in London. All dates and ticket prices can be found on our website, www.thinkingdrinkers.com. Please buy a ticket, please.
1: And if you want any more wine information, then go to my site, www.themistressofwine.com. Thanks.
2: Join us next week when Tom will be doing his spittle swallow. Sam will be conducting a tasting of wine
1: of some description.
2: And I will be introducing to a wonderful legend of liquor. I'm very excited about it.
1: Stay tuned. Cheers. 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 This was a Grand Crew podcast from Seven Digital.
3: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh